The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Will you pray with me? Lord, we're grateful that we have today, Palm Sunday, the opportunity to come and to praise your name, to worship you, to join in the, in the procession of that day 2,000 years ago when you entered into Jerusalem as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, many people that day did not fully appreciate who you were and what it meant to be worshiping you. And like that, Lord, we don't always fully appreciate who you are, what you've done for us, what you're doing for us. So we ask that you would use this time, that your presence would be here to, to continue to build our faith, to build our knowledge, and to build our community. We ask that you would be here, connecting us to your word, to your very Holy Spirit. Lord, we take our burdens and place them before you. All the concerns of our hearts, all the anxieties of our minds. We place them before you now. We push the pause button on our life to once again orient our hearts, orient our thoughts to you. Lord, may we worship you now in spirit and in truth. It's in your name, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Welcome to worship here, River of the Valley. Let's begin by worshiping our God with song. Will you stand? Good morning, everybody. Let's sing some praises to God this morning. Help me out with your hands. Come on. Here. We sing Hosanna. Here we go. Praise is rising. Eyes are turning to you. We turn to you.
you praise today that you are the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings. But also, Lord, we want to come before you today humbly to recognize that you, although being the King of our hearts, have not always had that place, that throne in our lives. And there are often times when we, when we put ourselves on that throne, we do what we want to do, even though it might hurt others, even though it might hurt ourselves. Lord, listen to the confession of our hearts now, being honest before you, that we are not always following your way of love, that we are not always following your way of truth. Lord, we are grateful that your gospel holds us up and that your gospel places us on a firm foundation. And that is not our own life. That is not something that we make. 
Lord, I praise you today because our future is not based on something of my own hands. That my future is not the result of something that, that I'm creating now. But my future is the result of what you have done. That amazing week where you came to Jerusalem, where you allowed yourself to be arrested and, and killed, but then to rise again, that my future is now founded completely upon that truth and that reality. Lord, I pray that you would help us to grasp this awesome, this at times hard to comprehend truth, but that nevertheless your seeds of faith would be planting and growing within each person here. Lord, we offer this, this time, this space of prayer to you. Lord, be stirring within our hearts and within our thoughts. Continue to break down those walls or those barriers that we set up between ourselves and you because of our logic, because of our emotions, because of our past experiences. Lord, I pray that you do prepare our hearts for this coming week. As we, as a church, we'll focus on what you, what you led your disciples into Monday, Thursday, and the Last Supper, and that beautiful command of love, and on to Good Friday, where you would hang on the cross, and Saturday, and then on to Sunday, when you came back, when you stood again. Lord, be preparing our hearts. Even though it's a different way that we're celebrating this year, I pray that your spirit would use our church witness. That you would continue to grow the faith within each of us. Particularly if it's a faith that needs to grab hold for a first time. Lord, give us, give us the ability to take steps forward. To not just touch the waters, but lead us to that moment where we dive in where we surrender all. Lord, hear us as we pray those words that you taught us. Our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power, the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat if you haven't already. It's so good to be with you here. I feel like I'm still a little low, but I don't dare try and put this chair higher. Um, theoretically, Theoretically, I get the approval next week to begin uh, moving around with weight on my foot again. So, all things going to plan, um, I may walk right up here next, next Sunday for Easter. We'll see what happens. Caleb and Amaya are super excited. They, they've had a dad that's been sitting on a couch for six weeks. 
so they're super excited. Thank you for all of you that have been reaching out. Um, it's been really, it's been neat actually these past six weeks to kind of receive from the church. So that's been really special for me also to just get well, well-wished messages. <laughs> so Chris posted, I don't know if you saw a picture of, of me, I think two weeks ago, something like, um, get well soon, pastor. For all of you that are in the know, it was, oh yeah, he has, his foot's injured. But for people that didn't know what was going on, suddenly my phone blew up worrying about me, not knowing what was going on. Of course, fearing that maybe I had COVID or something more severe. Um, the care that you can receive from other people is special. So I thank you. We're in the series, Live His Love, based on 1 Corinthians 13. And it's a series in which we are letting Paul speak into our lives regarding the, the de definition of love that God handed down to us. Because each of us has the idea of love, but it's an idea of love that's, that's something human. It's even something we could call cultural. It's something that we are, we are indoctrinated with by the movies we watch, by the type of media we soak in, by the books we read, by the family that we grew up in. We learn about love by our instincts. By our human desires, we learn about love. And all these, in some capacity, might have a kernel of truth. Yet, in the, the full, real definition of love that God has given to us, we need to be taught. And not just taught, we need to be encouraged on how to put it on and live it out. And I do want to say today, the church in time has not done this well. Has not done this to the full extent, I should say. There have been plenty of opportunities where the church has stood up and loved well and, and has been there for people. But then there are also too many examples when the church has been unable to fully capture the love that God had given to us. And for some people, that has been a reason to not engage the church today. The church is always going to be people that are struggling and that are yearning for putting on the type of love that we're talking about in this series. The church is always people who are remaining broken, but are trying to grow up in the Lord, are trying to mature in the Lord. The very reason that we as River are taking on this series in 1 Corinthians 13 and doing so, so slowly, we're taking chunk by chunk. Pastor Dan was joking last week, and he's right. We took verse 7, which is pretty short, and we're breaking it up into four different messages. This is week two of that, just one verse. We're doing this because it is important that we as a church continue to grow in our capacity to be a witness to this type of love. Not one of us can stand up right now and say, oh, I got this love thing down perfectly. <laughs> Every single one of us have been challenged, I guess, uniquely each week. Maybe there are parts of this passage that you feel like you're, you're hitting the ball out of the park. I'm really good at that love. But then there are other parts that maybe you feel, oh, you know what? This one is really more of a weakness for me. This is where I'm being called to mature. Today, 
this part, that's me. The message that we focus on today is what I, I believe to be, for me, my hardest or the part where I, I need to mature more in my capacity to love. I'll read this entire passage again. The focus today is, is on the second part of verse 7 where it says, always trusts. But we'll read the whole passage and then we're going to zero in today on always trusts. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Let's pray. Lord, we do ask again that your spirit would give us the ability to understand, that you would illuminate the meditation of our hearts together now, and that what we learn would enter not just into our thoughts, but descend into our hearts, where places that can affect change and what we believe and and how we act as we better understand who you are, who we are, and what you have called us to. We ask this in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This one is definitely on me. This one is the one that over time I've recognized in myself. I get those little twinges of the Holy Spirit. uh, some people call it conscience, but, but for me, I know I get into moments where I say something or I'm thinking something about somebody and I begin to have that guilty feeling. Like, Ooh, I shouldn't be thinking that. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, that email. <laughs> Wish I could take that one back. There have been times in my life where someone has wronged me. It could be that they did wrong me. It could even be that I perceived that they did, but actually they were in the right. (laughs) But there have been times in my lives where someone has wronged me in my own thoughts. They tried to sabotage something that I was leading. And then from there on out, I stopped believing in this person. From there on out, I stopped trusting this person. From there on out, I put up my full guard, shields up. (laughs) And they all, and all those shields begin to put these, these systems in place in which I cannot be hurt by this person again. But also, but also, I begin taking actions that are strategic to limit this person's influence. I tend to be a pretty strategic person. If you've come to know me leading the church and things, I I like to think ahead. I'm kind of like the chess or or the go player. That's part of the the good that I bring to any organization is I like to think ahead and plan and, and, and trying to figure out where we could be going next. But with this dark side, with this weakness of mine, I don't always trust. I don't always believe. The word here, the pisteos in the Greek, 
You can translate it trust or belief. It's the same word. When people read this passage and they come to this part where it says always trusts or always believes, sometimes they're equating it already directly to trusting or believing in God. But what's Paul been talking about during this entire passage? A love to others. And in the context of the letter of Corinthians, this is a dysfunctional church. He's trying to encourage them to have the unity by the bonds of love in their ranks. So when Paul says, believes all things, he is still fully in this passage talking about how we are relating to one another. Do I believe in your potential? Do I trust in your intentions? For me, this is hard. Particularly when someone has taken that step to, in my eyes, sabotage something I'm doing. And then those ways in which I begin to defend myself or the ways in which I try and get ahead of it in the future, I no longer let this person be free. I put them in like some sort of a jail of my mind. And there in that jail of my mind, I do everything possible in order to make sure that they're not going to be able to harm me again. Or better said, harm this project or, or the church. Two thousand years ago, we have Jesus arriving to Jerusalem for Holy Week. But today, the full week before, he's found at the Mount of Olives. I've been there twice now, and it's about a 15-20 minute walk from the Mount of Olives down. It's not really a mountain by California standards. <laughs> when they say mountain um, in Israel, they're, they're typically more like large hills. <laughs> it takes about 15-20 minutes to descend from the Mount of Olives into the Kidron Valley and then back up to where you would go into the gates of Jerusalem. So there on this Mount of Olives, Jesus is found that day. And do you remember what he does before he marches into Jerusalem? What does he do before he marches into Jerusalem? It says he looks down upon Jerusalem and what does he do? He weeps. Why is Jesus crying before he's being enthroned king? He says only if, only if the people here would have, would have remembered, would have realized that I came to gather them up like a hen gathers her chicks in order that they would have the abundant life that I offer. In order that they would be redeemed and returned now to that original design or as we're seeing in this series, in order that they could live my love. They could live it out by receiving it. They could live it out by modeling it. And Jesus is so moved with this idea that, that the world would change immediately. The world would change immediately to be like heaven. If only, he says, people would be willing to come to him. Jesus had a very clear understanding that you and I would fail in this regard. Jesus had a very clear understanding. It's why he weeps. He had a very clear understanding that each of us could not be trusted. He had a very clear understanding that each of us could not be trusted to fully live out his vision for this type of love. He knew this. 
So does he reject getting on that symbol of coronation, that donkey? Does he reject getting on that donkey? Does he just leave and walk away? Or does Jesus, and this is the gospel, or does Jesus get on the donkey and take that 20-minute ride as people are laying down the palm branches in their cloaks because a king coming into Jerusalem would not be worthy to walk on the dust of the earth. They needed to walk upon something clean. So the king walks on the palm branches and the cloaks into Jerusalem. And Jesus, knowing that he could not trust any single one of these people around him, he nevertheless goes right into their story, goes into them believing in them, trusting in this story, knowing that on the other side, there is redemption. And what makes the gospel something that we, this gift that we receive, is because his trust and his belief in you has nothing to do with your ability to get out of your own way. If Jesus sat on that donkey thinking that he was going to put trust in you because he believed in you, I think he would have walked the other way. <laughs> but Jesus gets on that donkey and goes into Jerusalem because he knows what he is about to do for us. He knows what Holy Spirit he's about to put inside of our hearts in order to grow our capacity to trust him. And he knows that he's about to go on to a cross in order to take our own sin of disbelief, our own sin of failing to follow the way of Christ with him. And there, that sin would be crucified with Jesus. You see, Jesus can trust in you and believe in you because he knows that it is actually God who is living in you. Jesus can trust and believe in you because he knows that the Holy Spirit is here through the church to call people into faith. Not something that's based on my own actions, but based on what the Lord God is doing in our world. How are you at believing in other people? Our capacity to trust that God is working in someone else's life is one of the most courageous is one of the most courageous testimonies that we can offer to the world. Courageous testimonies that we offer to that other person. And it's courageous because it oftentimes puts you in harm's way. You yourself or maybe a project that you're working on, when you decide to bear this type of love to another person, believing in them, even if you know there is a high probability or possibility that they will harm you. But if you trust that God is still working in them and that you, you need to believe that God can affect change in their life, even to the point that you put yourself at harm's way in that belief, you are pointing to something greater in this world than your personal success. You're saying, I am banking on God's movement more than on my success. I'm not sure there is a greater testimony because we are, we are also driven by that personal need for success, happiness, the pursuit of happiness, pleasure, comfort.
if you are willing to put that courageously up in order to trust that the Lord is going to work in someone else's life, that will change lives. There was a young man who grew up in a family with lots of abuse. And as, as we know through the social sciences, when you grew up in a family abuse, you have a much higher, you have a much higher likelihood of taking on those broken lifestyles moving forward. And this person ends up dropping out of high school and finds himself living on the street. Eventually falls into drug use, alcohol abuse. Gets to a point where he's so desperate and broken, he robs a convenience store with a, with a gun. Gets caught, gets put into jail. Struggling as he's there being held because he's addicted to drugs and it's so, it's so overwhelming to suddenly be taken away from that. But there's people who have dedicated their lives to coming into places like this and believing in these people. One such ministry is called Victory Outreach. I'm not sure if you've heard of them. But what they do is they come into into the jails where these people come from such broken backgrounds. People that the rest of society says are no good and have no future and there's no sense in believing in them. If we let them out, they're just going to do it again. And they come in, these Christians come into these places and, and their whole purpose is to believe in these people and to believe that Jesus has the power to change lives. And over and over again, people through this Victory Outreach Ministry, they come out completely changed because these Christians were coming into these spaces with the simple act of love that says, I trust all things. I believe all things. There is no lost cause. Friends, you can be that to somebody else. Doesn't have to be someone that's fully already now fallen into jail and drugs and alcohol. It could just be someone that is going through a rough patch in their life and they need you to come alongside of them and believe in them. It could be someone that's wronged you in the past, someone that you're in open conflict now. That simple step, that simple step of letting down your guard and no longer feeling like you have to keep shooting the arrows back, but saying, I believe in this relationship, I believe all things in love. That will change lives. That will preach the gospel. You pray with me. Father God, we're, we need your help in this. It's so easy for us to shut doors. It, it's so natural. And even today, I think in society, it's accepted. We don't even think twice. Someone wrongs us, cutting them off, canceling them. Lord, it's so easy. Lord, give us the capacity to trust and to believe, not because of our human abilities, but because of your abilities. Lord, I ask that you would give us, in this coming week, you would give us the capacity to see people, particularly those who are hard to work with. Let us see them with your eyes. Let us love them with your love. 
that trusts and believes all things. In your name, Father God and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. So move into our time of self-offering. May the words that we have heard continue to resonate with you as we offer ourselves and our tithe to the Lord.